0: Welcome to Adventist Voices, Spectrum's podcast. I'm Alexander Carpenter. This week we have a special podcast, in part because it's hosted by someone else. Jeremy Gray, who has written several articles for Spectrum, interviews a group of sociologists connected to Elon University who are surveying ex-Seventh-day Adventists and those who are on the fence Now, I'll always be an Adventist. It's a commitment I made and something that's important to me, but I appreciate the research that they're doing because it provides some self-awareness into what causes folks to leave. And the research that they're doing, some of which you can read on the blog that they have at Elon University, Eighth Day Freedom, provides us an opportunity to look at ways that the Adventist community can improve. And that's something that Spectrum has always fostered, critical self-analysis, a recognition that we need to go beyond apologetics and really have open conversations about the ways that some of our hang-ups Ideas that we've collected along the way prohibit us from achieving our ultimate goals. And I find the research that the sociologists are doing and the conversation that Jeremy facilitates here to be very helpful as we think about what it means to be an Adventist uh, and think about what present truth means. So I'm looking forward to your feedback on this conversation, and I really appreciate each of these participants for being willing to put the work in to explore these issues that can benefit us all. Enjoy. Yes, I do, Sister White. We will not fear.
1: The kingdom is alive. On the
2: move with the poor and the meek and the hungry and the lonely. Oh, I'll never forget
3: it. So, hello, everyone. Uh, thank you for joining us on this a podcast episode of Spectrum Magazine. Um, a little bit of background behind an unfamiliar voice. My name is Jeremy Gray. Um, I grew up Adventist in Barron Springs, Michigan, the home of Andrews University. Um, then I took off and did a ra- rather wandering educational tour, uh, studying history and mathematics in my undergrad at Boston University. Um, and then I went on to a master's in linguistics at Trinity College Dublin. And most recently, I studied history and philosophy of science at the University of Cambridge. Um, I've been working for Spectrum as a, a correspondent and digital contributor for about six months now almost. Uh, doesn't seem possible. Um, I'm very pleased to have with us a team from 8th uh, Day Freedom, a uh, new research project from Elon University. Um, and I'd like to start maybe with uh, Tom. Could you maybe introduce yourselves for our listeners?
2: Uh, sure, I'd be glad to. My name is Tom Arcaro. I'm a sociologist at Elon University, been here for a number of years. Um, my research interest is mostly in the humanitarian sector, but along with my colleague, Dr. Dwayne McLaren, I've been looking into uh, belief in non-belief, uh, kind of sociology of religion in that direction. And so when Jeff came to me with this idea of looking at ex uh, I was very keen to uh, give a strong yes to it. So uh, I'm a out of the box uh, sociologist, ready to talk about uh, ex Adventists.
3: Well, Dwayne? You want to go next?
4: Sure. Uh, my name is Dwayne McLaren, and uh, I'm in the Department of Psychology here at Elon. I got my bachelor's, master's, and PhD degrees all in psychology from University of Colorado in Boulder, and uh, I've long been interested in. Uh, the psychology of beliefs, all kinds of beliefs, although my training was really in behavioral neuroscience. Um, and I've been a colleague of Tom's on other projects uh, dealing with atheism, for instance, and other kinds of beliefs. Uh, so I've known him here uh, my entire time at Elon. So mm-hmm. our relationship goes back a long, long time. Yep. So I'm glad to be in this project on this project with tom and with a new friend and colleague jeff
1: thanks guys uh yeah my name is jeff wright um born and raised inside the seventh-day adventist system i hold a a bachelor's degree in media technology from andrews university with uh, an emphasis in photography uh, and then uh, a master's degree in cultural anthropology from western michigan university um i I've, I've known tom for more than 10 years now uh when we started collaborating in different ways uh in yeah on, on a couple of different projects uh related to the humanitarian sector writing and a little bit of research and and stuff like that anyway that friendship's kind of evolved over you know like i said over the more than a decade and uh so I'm I'm very pleased to be to be working with Tom on this. Pleased to meet Duane as well. It's our first time working together. I don't have any connection to Elon University other than that I'm
3: friends with Tom and Dwayne. Yeah, I actually wanted to ask a little bit more about Elon. I, I have to confess, I didn't know much about it. Only heard of it vaguely. Um, where are you? And 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 uh, is, is it a denominational school or no?
2: Um, I'll answer that. I guess um, uh, Elon University. Uh, was Elon College, uh, uh, and we changed our name uh, in 1999, I believe. We uh, we went from being fighting Christians, uh, which is interesting connection to this re- research. We changed our 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 look uh, when we changed from college to university. We went from fighting Christians, and appropriately, we are the Phoenix. Uh, the Elon Phoenix. Uh, part of our history is that most of the campus burned down in 1923. And, uh, you know, uh, the choice could have been made to just close down, but we rebuilt and like the Phoenix rose up. And so we had a, a church affiliation that was stronger in our Elon college years. Um, but in the last, I would say, three decades, Uh, It has only been a nominal association with uh, the Church of Christ. Um, So it's a very non-denominational, very uh, mainstream, if you will, liberal arts college in the same way that, uh, you know, a a Duke or a Notre Dame kind of place. We're not R1, Research 1. We are the tier below that. And so our emphasis is on teaching. In fact, if you look at our website, you'll find that we're uh, now ranked number one in teaching in the United States uh, for liberal arts institutions. Very proud of that. So in one sentence, Elon University is a mid-size, about 7,000 students, university with several graduate programs and many undergraduate programs. Um, and our focus is on um, creating good global citizens with uh a mind that can attack uh, some of our global social problems,
3: and that's where you're joining us from. There,
2: we are. You were in my office uh, at um, in Linder Hall, right on campus.
3: Excellent. And Jeff, where are you? Where are you calling us from? Coming
1: to you live from Auburn, Washington. Uh, for those who don't know, the Pacific Northwest—I say the Seattle
3: area—about 25 miles from Seattle. Well, I have to start with the name uh, Eighth Day Freedom, it's a phenomenal name. Where, where did that originate? I have to ask.
2: Um, I'm going to take this one, Jeff. Um, Jeff and I uh, uh, WhatsApp back and forth. Uh, we we decided that this project needed to have some kind of branding, some kind of uh, uh, you know, way to describe it. And uh, years ago, when I was a younger faculty person, uh, I volunteered to do a radio show. Um, and the day they had uh, you know weekly radio show and the day they had open for me was Monday and so the the name of my radio show was eighth day review um Monday being the eighth day right And so when you know we were brainstorming names for this uh, it just seemed obvious you know if it's seventh day Adventist, this is eighth day and this is certainly the theme we're seeing a lot of our responses. It was Eighth Day Freedom, um, and so Eighth Day Freedom to me just seemed like it was, uh, you know, hand in glove. It just fit what we were doing and kind of the the overall ethos uh, of of talking about what comes after the seventh day.
3: Yeah, excellent. Um, so, if you were to give a, a just a brief summary to people who who haven't seen the the blog post, the the kind of overarching uh, uh look at the the survey what what can you how can you summarize uh what it is you're looking for what it is you're interested in finding out with this with this research
2: i think that's a jeff question
1: yeah. sure I'll, I'll i'll dive in first with this one you know uh i guess from my side it's a it's a bit general um, i've spent a lot of time over the last uh, couple of years kind of pondering what it means to have left the adventist movement um what it means to move from kind of deep inside that bubble to you know somehow the maybe the fringes of that community and uh yeah i wanted to to see if there were others like me out there basically um, I mean, I, I know that there are other kind of marginal or, or, or former Adventists that I'm friends with and I'm in communication with. But uh, yeah, I, I wanted to see if there are others like, like me out there, see what kind of a community uh, there is of, of former Seventh-day Adventists and kind of what they're like, putting on my anthropology hat, wanting to to study this community, um, but with some some deep kind of personal interest in it.
3: And Jeff, you were sort of the impetus behind uh, getting this off the ground, right?
1: Yeah, it was it was my idea. Um, I, I was the one who who came to Tom and said, hey, you know, I think we need to do a survey of, uh, of former Seventh-day Adventists. One of the projects that that Tom and I have worked on in the past was kind of a similar, almost a census style survey of humanitarian aid workers in the international aid system. Uh, and so i uh, my my suggestion was basically let's do something the same or or similar to that uh, and yeah here here we are it's it's live and happening
3: what would you say i mean uh you know aside from kind of learning more about uh kind of the census data of ex adventists what more do you hope to to glean from this survey
1: i mean <clears throat> I I wanna see if I can get my head around, you know, the the reality or the not reality of some of the famous myths about former Seventh day Adventists that I perceive still are inside the Adventist system. I can remember growing up in the system. I mean, we we thought and talked about former Seventh-day Adventists, ex-Adventists in in particular kinds of ways. And so I'm interested in seeing if you know what the former Adventists themselves have to say kind of bear out some of those things that we're all angry. For example, was was one kind of common assumption. And let's see now, are we all angry? Is it really the case? I don't feel angry. Um, and I would, you know, I, I don't want to preempt the results of the <laughs> of the study being done. But you know, I would say by and large, it doesn't sound like people are particularly angry. Sure, there are a few who are, but. Mostly, I think we're normal. Um, I'm interested in knowing what part of the world we come from. I have my own perceptions about where the Adventist movement is strong and where it's not and uh, where people might feel more comfortable leaving than than in other places or might be more encouraged to leave. And so, again, getting a, a sense uh, for those th- kinds of things. And then, I guess, lastly, I'll just say, yeah, finding out the things that I don't know. Um, what is there about... Uh, uh, a community of, of former Seventh Day Adventists that um, you know we can we can say as general statements. What what, what are the surprises uh, in, in that group? As far as I know, uh, there hasn't been a similar study uh, up until now. And my again, this is a personal perception, but I don't sense that former Seventh Day Adventists are much of a kind of cohesive, identifiable group. We tend to we tend to scatter to the winds and be individuals. And I'm not aware that there are, is, there's certainly not an organization that I'm aware of. I'm not aware of a kind of corporate identity or community identity, the way that, for example, ex-Mormons uh, seem to have. So yeah, all those things.
2: Yeah. Jeremy, let me add to that a, a tiny bit. Kind of implicit in your question was, what are we trying to get out of this survey? And that that's a very good question. But uh, all three of us, Dwayne and, and Jeff and I have talked about this phenomenon, is that this, this is in part um, something that is a win-win situation. Over and over in the comments, uh, respondents are saying, thank you for doing this. Thank you for asking these questions. Basically um, saying that this was a cathartic experience for them to be asked these questions. It's an affirming kind of 30 or 40 minutes that they spend with the survey. And so uh, our choice to keep the survey open longer rather than shorter is not that we are desperate to get more data, um, just the opposite, it makes our work harder, Uh, but uh, we want to uh, provide that moment for people to be asked those questions and have a have a, a a box where they can write their their kind of feelings and thoughts, and so over and over again, I've read that in the comments. Thanks for doing this. Boy, it felt good to uh, finally release some of these thoughts and some of these uh, uh, some of these kind of uh, um, feelings that I've had. Uh, and so it, this is a two way kind of street. We're we're getting some interesting data, and Jeff is having some of his questions answered as am I and Dwayne but this is also uh, something that is proving to be I think quite useful for those that take the survey not everybody of course, but many people are saying wow that was that was neat
1: yeah the feedback yeah. from respondents has been very positive lots of people uh, have have commented that they appreciated the opportunity and say things like we appreciate being heard or we felt heard. So uh, that's that, that part of it's been quite
3: gratifying. Yeah, so you, you've you've started sharing a little bit of this preliminary data on your uh, blog posts uh, that you have on, on the Elon website. Um, and I would like to dive into a little bit of, of what you've seen there, because I think you've, you've hit on some really interesting results that um, I think we could discuss. Uh, one of the things that I think is uh, maybe particularly um, interesting to a spectrum audience is this... Um, idea of social believers, um, this acronym, uh, i I'd, I'd never heard of this before, physically in, mentally out, people who um, are in the community, who practice all of the lifestyle choices and so on, but they're they're secretly doubting or simply don't believe. Um, you have quite a few questions, sort of 14, 15, and 16 on the survey, uh, questions about lifestyle choices um, and how kind of visible they are to your community. Um, and that has been a, a sort of one of the main things that you hope to to, to get out of it. Uh, you mentioned that in one of your blog posts. I was wondering how large a contingent is that um, in your results so
2: far? Well, if you look at the, uh, the results to question one, which is basically, who are you? Um, question one, uh, you know, let me scroll down to there. I'm sorry if I'm taking time. Um, but... Uh, the question number one, uh, the one response is uh, that you are, and people could tick this box, non believing Adventist. I no longer believe in Seventh day Advent as a message or a movement, but I maintain the behavior and appearance of being Adventist in order to remain part of the community. And that's fully, well, it's at this moment, it's basically 13% of the total population that has responded. Which is a massive number. That is, they responded to the survey while they're still, you know, within by appearances within the Advent Advent Adventism movement, but they're P I M O. They're physically in, but mentally out. And so, short answer to your question: about thirteen percent of the sur- uh, survey respondents to this date.
4: Could I make another comment along those lines? We've got question twelve. Which asks how long did you continue to participate uh, mm-hmm. after you no longer realize after you realized you no longer believed in the tenets of Adventism, and fifty percent at least said at for a year or more. So mm-hmm. they no longer believed in the tenets, but they half of the people were stuck with it for at least a year, and mm-hmm. some of them for considerably, you know, they, they were answering 10 years or more. So they, some of them stick around for quite
2: a long time. Right. And, and Jeremy, I, I think in Dwayne and I's previous research on atheism, uh, that's where I originally began using that term, because there's a lot of people, like I wrote in that blog post, there's a lot of people's in, people in the pew next to you uh, that they're there but they're not believers, they're there for social reasons primarily. Um, and I think that's not just true of Seventh-day Adventists, I think that's universally true within most religions. In fact, I would, you know, a great research question would be, what would be the percentage of PIMOs in Mormonism or Southern Baptists or Catholics or, or, or Muslims? Um, and I think what you would find if we could get that data that the percentage of uh, physically and mentally out or social believers, I think it's 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 probably fairly high, and would be a much higher number than most people would suspect.
3: Yeah, if we could just um, return to question one, you, I find it really interesting the categories you you um, listed here as as options. Have yeah, the first one is I consider myself a Seventh Day Adventist. And then you have number two, which is ex-Adventist. So I have left the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Free, which we, we've just been talking about, physically and mentally out. So non-believing Adventists. I no longer believe in the Adventist message, etc. And then believing ex-Adventists. So I still follow the doctrines and church teachings of the original founders, but have left in some way or been separated from the formal structure and community. Uh, mm-hmm. Is that final category? Uh, has that been a big, big part of uh, the respondents as well? Five point seven percent right now. Mm-hmm right so not a large portion,
1: not a particularly large percentage a few um and I've noticed they're fairly vocal in the comments, um, pointing out that we didn't give options to some of the multiple choice questions for believing ex-adventists, uh, but anyway yeah uh, a bit
3: under six percent there. you've gotten a little uh, uh, more finer grained kind of responses in the comments that where people kind of can explain more detailed their their position
1: yes and that, that was the point of it uh, that well the point of having those yeah, comment sure. boxes on a number of questions um, so so yeah uh, people people tend to, to explain it further
3: um, I was also curious about uh, question 31 what do people miss about Adventism um,
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: I see that you have a blog post about food an entire blog post about food and this seems to be a, a really uh, <laughs> People have passionately held beliefs here. Uh, could you share some of those?
2: Um, go ahead, Jeff. Hey, Steph. yeah, sure. Probably got uh, got go there.
1: You know, just <laughs> looking at the at the results <laughs> of that question. That's question uh, thirty-one. It was mm-hmm. a check all that apply, so you weren't limited. You could have people could have checked all of them, but you know, the number one thing that people reported missing: forty-five uh, percent uh, of the people who answered that question. Seven, of the 768 people who answered that question, 45.5% uh, chose sense of belonging to a community as the main thing uh, that they miss. Uh, the mm-hmm. very, the, the next highest category, just looking at it quickly here, um, after I don't miss anything, that would be the next one. 34 uh, or 35%, sorry, uh, chose that one. After that, then we're down to community life, activities and events uh relationships that i used to enjoy but no longer can potlucks 24 25% chose potlucks. <laughs> so, yeah, um, you know, between the answers to that question, some of the comments uh that came underneath it and you know what I've what I've picked up from some of the other adventist or ex-adventists uh websites around the internet, the ex-adventist reddit mainly. Um, yeah, the the food is a thing. Lots of people talk <laughs> about the food. Um, There are some passionately held opinions among ex-Adventists about fried chick versus prime steaks. I think with, I only know one ex-Adventist on the internet who likes stripples. So yeah, Um, Haystacks, I think Haystacks will never die. Uh, As far as I can tell, they're not uniquely Adventist, but boy, the Adventists have really kind of latched onto Haystacks and it is a thing.
3: Really embrace them. Yeah, my favorite comment, there was a comment on the uh, Adventist food, food blog post, and it said, uh, haystacks will never die. Haystacks are what manna from heaven is made of.
4: Exactly, <laughs> yes. <laughs> could I, I just make a comment on the research that Tom and I did years ago about atheists, where we had about 8,000 respondents from around the world. Um, a lot of people were recent atheists, as Opposed to people who've been atheists for their whole lives, but the ones who were recent atheists, when we asked the question, "What do you miss about having been part of a church?" and these were just atheists across the board, you know, whatever kind of church or synagogue or whatever they had left, most of them were ex Christians. Though um, the the one thing that came out over and over was sense of community or. Family relationships, you know, something about the social life that right, they right. that they meant that they missed um, over and over. Uh, yeah, yeah. So this, what we're finding here with the ex Adventists, very much comports with that, and it, it's very similar. Yes, yeah, so
2: it's a, it's not a surprise to see those numbers, and that supports the whole, you know, a social believer exactly. idea. You know, I stay in because I cherish these these social connections and family connections and community connections. And, you know, I can, you know, quietly go about my life and not really believe, but I can go through the actions because frankly, I need them and enjoy them because they make me feel more socially connected. We all, as humans, we, you know, we depend upon kind of uh, our social uh, network and yeah, that I'm going to stay in, until, you know, uh, there's a breaking point and that breaking point might be far away because I've got these social connections. That's not unique to Adventists at all. That's very, that's why I think there's so many social believers is that historically the church or, you know, any religion, that's one of the things that it provides is a sense of community. Um, And we live in a very alienated and alienating world and to sever your one connection to other people uh, is is quite existentially challenging. I don't want to do that, right? And so people stay within the church not because they believe, but because the alternative, um, kind of going alone into society, is is uh, is pretty frightening.
1: And when you look at both this question. Uh... Was it 31, uh, along with some of the other questions that delve into, you know, what made it hard to leave? Uh, I can't remember exactly which question number it is that, that goes there. But if you look at the, the responses to those, uh, in the comments, it's, it's really, it really reinforces what Tom just said. Um, people, yeah, relationships with family, relationships with close friends and community were among the things that made it hard to leave not that not that anybody sort of proactively tried to stop them from leaving, but it was it was fear of losing those things. Um, when you read the the narrative comments into those questions, people talk about leaving, Adventism as a breakup or losing a losing a partner or a dear loved one. They talk about deep loneliness for, for months and years after they talk about being adrift and not being able to find mooring. Uh, I'm, I'm paraphrasing some of these comments, but yeah, people really kind of struggle with the loss of the community. Uh, element uh, to it all it, you know maybe they, they they don't believe in Ellen white and they think the investigative judgments of a, a lot of hui but man they do miss uh the family and the community yeah,
4: yeah. on the other hand yeah go I
2: don't know if you're
4: going to go there but on the other hand um the positives very much outweigh the negatives
2: yeah yeah uh, yeah we we definitely saw that in the data uh if if you scroll down in the in the results uh um, you know, can you, um, the, uh, on the question 49, if you can go there, question 49, I just printed it out. And, uh, you know, and this is you know, what we have at this moment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've got um, a 32 pages of narrative responses describing ways in which your life has improved since leaving Adventism. Wow. And when you do a word cloud of that, you know, kind of uh, giving you one image, it's, it's, it's just, you see all these, uh, I feel better. Well, this uh, uh, respondent number four said, in all caps, all the ways, right? And there are uh, responses like that over and over and over again. Uh, respondent uh, 368 says freedom. Um, uh, and number 370 says freedom to do what I want. Uh, no guilt hanging over me. Uh, and these are uh, other responses. I am no longer surrounded by hypocrites who hate me, um, <laughs> you know, etc. I mean, the responses were uh, on this question. You know, the ways your life has improved. Um, we had more responses and more more words written in answer to that question than any other question on the survey. People were oh. were were just anxious to. Uh, to write about that. And and that's what I was saying a few minutes ago that, you know, people writing this, that's cathartic to, to be able to say that, right? And so, yeah, if you look at uh, uh, question uh, 50 that comes right after that, can you describe ways in which your life has become worse since leaving Adventism? And I did a word cloud of that one. And it was the, the main word that came up in all that was none. That is, that is. If, if you look at these responses and there's 22 pages of those, if you look at those responses over and over again, they'll, they'll kind of repeat what they said in the previous question. There's been no downsides and only upsides. That's not all of them, but the majority of these comments are basically, yeah, there were none in here. Let me tell you more about that.
4: Could I throw in something else to piggyback on that? There's another item, which is 38. Uh, it asks about the, your overall mental health and quality of life since leaving Adventism. And uh, one of the options is much better. And 61.1% said that. It's much better. And 20, a little over 20% said a little better. So that's 81, over 81% saying better with by far the most saying much better. So in terms of mental health, quality of life. So
2: the people who get out are glad they got out. And they report their mental health being better. Only 1% said my overall mental health is much worse now that I'm no longer in Venice. 1% where... 61% Uh, sixty-one percent said it's it's uh is much better, and so it's it's just no comparison, right? And so, so it is difficult to leave because of the social reasons, but once leaving, it's like wow, um, this is a good thing, right? There's yeah, so
4: much
2: it, good
4: it, stuff. out there, like, it seems like clear alcohol that although and everything. <laughs> <laughs>
3: It seems clear that for those who are physically in and mentally out, that it's it's a real burden. I mean, it's a real um, psychological burden to to deal with, and you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place because uh, the leaving is scary, being out without community, as you mentioned, and yet clearly the results you, you seem to indicate are uh, most people are very happy with the decisions they've made.
2: Right. Well, uh, what's the the next question? We ask is what advice would you give um, I want to get the exact uh, um, what advice would you give to somebody thinking about leaving? Um, if you were to advise question number fifty two if you were to advise someone struggling with the struggling with the decision to leave Adventism, what would you say to them? And the answers to that, the narrative answers to that are, virtually unanimous. They're all thoughtful, but they're virtually unanimous, basically saying this, you know, consider it, but this will be the best decision you ever make. You know, I read that comment in various wordings. I read that comment over and over again in the narrative responses. What, what advice you would give to those people thinking about leaving? Um, the general response from our survey respondent, respondents was, do it. Um it's like ripping off a Band-Aid. It might hurt temporarily, but once you're out, it's gonna be liberating.
3: And so do you, what What have you seen in the data about why? I mean, what's the motivation for the majority of people uh, to make that decision? Is it simply lack of belief? Is, are there lifestyle um, issues at, at work here as well?
4: Well, uh, may I answer mm-hmm. that? Uh, that was asked, and uh, a lot of people said, "I lost my belief in God." That, that was a pretty hefty number. I think over fifty percent, and about seventy percent or more said, "I lost. I lost my belief in the tenets of Adventism." So, um, yeah, they. That, those were the two biggest, I think. Yeah. That's question 19.
1: Uh, and again, question 19 is one of those select all that apply kind of questions. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, right. 79%, yeah. the highest category uh, by some margin is stop believing in the teaching slash writing of Ellen White. 78% immediately below it, stop believing in the foundational doctrines of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Um. Those are 79 and 78 percent respectively. The next highest thing, uh, at 60 percent negative experiences with Seventh day Adventist people, uh, 57 percent the rules, norms, and taboos of Adventism were too restrictive. So, to me, uh, stop believing in God or be became atheist or agnostic, uh, that's 45 percent. Um, mm. stop believing the divinity of Jesus, still believe in God, but no longer Christian, that's only 16 percent. Um, more people believe nothing after leaving Adventism, but that's only about 45% of respondents shows that the main reasons have to do with Adventism itself.
4: Yeah. 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 So, so it's the
3: doctrines of the church itself are kind of the the impetus and that might kind of have a knock on effect for greater belief in God in general. Is that right? Uh, I'm
1: I'm not sure if, uh, we can really say that like I said um only about 45 percent of respondents chose you know stop believing in God uh, became either atheist or agnostic um so that that, that tells me that some definitely there uh, there's a, a movement or there's a there's like a sub community within ex Adventists who, you know, just throw it all out and become atheist. Um, but again, in terms of factors that caused people to leave the movement, decisions to become ex Adventist, overwhelmingly, it's about Adventism. It's not these higher questions about is there God or not. It's I don't believe Ellen White. I don't believe in the doctrines. Uh,
2: yeah. Right. Question 13, just to follow on with that. Question 13 asks, which of the following best describes your world view right now? And we gave four choices, kind of forced choice here. Uh, one was Christian, but not Adventist. The next was a non Christian religion. Uh, you know, we asked them to specify and then agnostic and atheist. And of that, 30, 37% um, said, you know, uh, they, they that's their worldview right now is Christian, but not Adventist. Um, oh, interesting. Okay. yeah. And, uh, and the next two higher categories were, um, uh, agnostic, uh, at 32% and atheist at, uh, 26%. And so only 4%, uh, said, uh, a non Christian religion. So if they left the Adventist church, uh, you know, 37% remained Christian, but a good number did not remain Christian. Um, and I think there's a a semantic kind of uh, a discussion to be had about the difference between an agnostic and an atheist. Uh, but but that's that's a fairly high number if you combine those two. That's a, a lot of folks. And I did do kind of an interesting crosstab there. I don't have the data in front of me now. I apologize. But um, it was interesting uh, when I looked at uh, the uh, POC versus white, um, <clears throat> in the race question. Uh, there was a, a, a somewhat of a significant difference between self-identifying as uh, agnostic as opposed to self-identifying as an atheist. Uh, people that identified as white were much uh, were somewhat more. Uh, accepting of the label atheist, where the non-white were less accepting of that. They were more, they self-identified as agnostic rather than atheist. So again, kind of a semantic discussion about what exactly those terms are, but I just found that interesting.
1: What I found interesting about question 13 was in the narrative comments where people explained what they were. And um, I'm not sure that it tells us anything Particularly about a community of former Seventh day Adventists, but just to see the range, uh, from, you know, atheist and agnostic are pretty predictable. Um, a number of people went, reported going to Catholicism, which I found interesting. Um, straight into the arms of the beast was the, the <laughs> you know the the phrase in my head when i whenever i saw anyone who said they were now catholic um and then you know it runs the gamut from i think someone said they were a pagan warlock someone said they were a modern non-theist satanist i don't know what that is exactly but something to google later um you know a couple of people said they're now muslim um all I, I just thought the range of what people chose was, was very interesting
3: I remember hearing about a study they did in the UK where they asked this question and a a significant, well, not insignificant portion of the population reported Jedi as their main religion.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. And maybe some responses are just messing with us. Who knows? But anyway, I enjoyed the the range of variation in in the narrative comments under the 13.
3: So I wanted to ask a little bit too about, um, issues of sexual orientation and gender, um, you do say that, uh, I think it was 5%, if I'm remembering correctly, um, of your respondents identify as non-binary, um, but you don't really uh, ask about uh, sexual orientation. Has that come up at all Is it in your responses as a, a um, something that people struggle with that, that motivates them to, to move away from the community?
1: It's definitely come up in the narrative comments under a number of questions. And, you know, obviously I have my own kind of gender and cultural blinders on when it comes to this issue. Uh, I was it, it was really uh, instructive for me to see the ways in which gender identity uh, in the context of Adventism touches so many things. It, it, that issue comes up in the narrative Commons under many questions. Maybe I'll just say that. Um, and yes, it was certainly, Again, based on the narrative comments, it certainly seems to be one of those things that, if not the reason, then it was among the reasons why people left. One person commented, our daughter is gay and we support her completely. How can we support an institution that does not? Um, and I, I found that to be telling.
2: Right. And and so question number 48 um, asks, did you come out as other than straight?" or cisgendered while you were a Seventh-day Adventist? And if so, do you wish uh, to tell us about the experience? We had 450 people respond to that. And, you know, I can't uh, pretend to be able to summarize all, all the responses, but it was very interesting. A lot of people said basically said no, um, but, uh, you know, that is an area of analysis that I think will be particularly interesting to Uh, uh, some of the people that are listening right now. And uh, we will pay some uh, close attention to that as we get into deeper data analysis.
1: Quite a few people in in narrative comments mentioned uh, uh, something to the effect of, I haven't left the movement because I'm still a dependent, uh, but once that's no longer the case, then I plan to come out and also leave Adventism. Right.
3: So there's economic considerations for people who are, you know, simply not in a position to be able to to, to sure. say fully who they are. Yeah.
1: But I got the sense these were people living with their parents uh, for whatever reason, still young, maybe, or I, I don't know. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. and, and I Just have to interject the gender factor here. Um, I think it's in, in some ways because of the nature of the being in the system. And I'm speaking out of turn. This is Jeff's uh, area. Um, But it seems like like given the, the, the sexual uh, expectations, it is much more common for females to be uh, in that dependent kind of situation uh, as opposed to males. And so in terms of being a PIMO, uh, that's one thing I'm, I want to drill into in the data and find out if those are more so females than males. And, if you uh, got more granular in the data and find out why that would be so.
3: Yeah. And, and to, to add to that, uh, you mentioned in one of the blog posts on the website that uh, you found that so far uh, women appear to be more angry or have more resentment towards the church than men, which I thought was a fascinating result. Um, has that, I mean, is that uh, still borne out in your data still?
2: I would say so, yes. And and for exactly yeah. the reasons that I just kind of uh nodded at, that that uh the restrictions, you know, frankly, the kind of the embedded misogyny uh is something that as a female, once I get out, it's like holy crap, I was I was uh uh kind of uh you know, um constrained by all of these assumptions and expectations and so on. And now that I'm out, I'm angry that I was that I'm angry at myself for allowing myself to be in that position for so long. And I'm angry at the system that that, you know, made me feel that way. And so yeah, I think, um, you know, the as we uh, do more analysis on this data, I think the difference between the experience of females in the experience of males, is going to be quite dramatic.
3: Mm-hmm. And you haven't, and you also haven't. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say that,
1: and again, in narrative comments, and then a, a, quite a bit of the engagement that we've had on on social media, which is mainly the Instagram, uh, has been. Th- females speaking in some fairly bitter terms about purity culture and their experience under what they describe as a, a patriarchal system. Yeah
3: yeah, I was just gonna that's what I was going to ask is a number of the questions you ask um, touch on uh, purity culture um, and issues around that and I I would assume maybe I'm wrong about this that that would maybe affect females more than males. yeah, um, yeah. certainly the affect them differently. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, the other question I really want to talk about is, I believe it's question 40, which is, is this a cult? <laughs>
4: um, <and> I, <laughs>
3: I see you've, you've had some spirited uh, responses to that that you shared on um, a, a blog post or two. Um, I was wondering if you could talk to some of the responses you've gotten and what's the general impression that you get from people?
1: My sense is that many people who have left the movement see it in retrospect as a cult. Um, uh, I want to parse this this well. I don't know of many topics that get uh, still Seventh-day Adventists kind of worked up quicker than, than calling them a cult uh, or suggesting <laughs> that they're in a cult. Uh, um, so I, I realize that. Get some strong reaction this question is really asking it's not asking if adventism is a cult it's asking if uh respondents see it as a cult and i would say well i don't have to guess um yeah 31 uh, percent strongly agree and 32 percent agree that it's a cult and only five percent strongly disagree uh they they see it in that light um so again not saying Adventism is a cult. It's definitely how many former members uh, view that experience
3: in retrospect. Yeah, that's almost what like two thirds of respondents agreeing in some some capacity. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we yeah. got thirty two plus thirty one point nine, so yeah, sixty four percent. That's a solid D. If this was a <laughs> test, <asked>, I guess. <laughs>
2: yeah, 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 those were pretty dramatic results. Yeah, I think I did I. When we went into this, I didn't quite expect that. I mean, that's you know cult has a pejorative word, um, and, and it's only you know uh, you know used by people that are a little bit angry and a little bit uh, firm in their opinion. And so yeah, i was I was surprised, but uh, the data is what the data is. I mean, we've got uh, over eight hundred responses and and the numbers aren't wiggling as we get more responses. It, you know the patterns that we saw early in the data collection the same patterns are you know are yeah. cons- you know uh, very consistent
1: that's right that proportion hasn't changed since the beginning
2: not at all
3: and so you think um given the kind of pejorative uh, implications there that a lot of that probably has to do with anger and resentment that that's probably a similar number of people who would have responded that that's That they have anger or resentment towards the church would probably also characterize it as a cult. Would you agree with that?
2: I think that's a fair... uh, That's
1: an assumption,
3: but it feels like a fair
1: one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm just looking through some of the narrative comments right now, and um, I'm not going to say anything about proportionality, but it feels like a number of people are making the point that, in their opinion, all Christian denominations are also cults. And so in that sense, Adventism is not particularly different than the rest, but yeah, still in their mind. Um, yeah, yeah. that's a scripture.
4: But on this topic, could I just point out, related, not identical, but related is question 28, which asks, to what extent do you hold anger or resentment toward the SDA church? Uh, and the option very angry and resentful got... 13.3%. So that's not huge, uh, but moderately angry and resentful got about 20%. So the the combination there is about 34%. And then somewhat angry and resentful got 32. So those categories combined were about two thirds, 66%. So uh, I don't know if that then gets you to the cult numbers or it, it kind of does, but um, yeah. I, I don't know. We'll, we, we've got to, we will do the statistical analyses, and we will see how much correlation there is between those respondents.
1: Anger and likelihood of calling Adventism a cult in retrospect.
4: Exactly. Yeah. exactly.
3: You also uh, shared a little bit about uh, some of the people um who talked about processing their anger into grief, which I thought was an interesting process um, that you you mentioned. Could you talk a little bit more about uh, what what kind of narrative results you've gotten about about grief in particular instead of anger?
2: Wow, um, that's more granular than I can answer. Maybe Jeff can. I think he's moving rooms right now. Um, Sorry, Sorry I just had to, to
1: sort out a dog.
2: Um,
1: <laughs> I'm good. Uh, right, give you space so you can edit this um, after the fact. We didn't ask about grief specifically, at least not that I recall in the survey. Um, really, it was in the narrative responses to a couple of questions Um yeah, kind of your, your final thoughts on your, your, the process of leaving Adventism or, uh, yeah, and what ways has your, your life become worse since leaving Adventism? It, it seems like it was in those, in the narrative comments between those two questions, particularly where people talked about the sadness, uh, about missing loved ones, about having lost relationships. Some people talked about, um, yeah, their marriage dissolved after they stopped being Adventist. Not a lot, but one or two people mentioned basically being estranged from their parents or from their siblings after leaving the movement. Um, a number of people, and I found this really interesting, uh, commented that one of the things they missed was a sense of certainty about how the world's going to go and what's going to happen in, in times that, you know, Adventism... You know, does kind of present a, a version, and if you choose to accept it, it does give a lot of certainty. Uh, and and once you kind of give that up, then wow, there's there's a whole big world of uncertainty out there. And and many people spoke of grief uh, in in, con- in in that context. Uh, so loss of relationships, loss of community, loss of certainty seem to be the things that, as I recall, uh, had had grief kind of clustered around them.
3: Um. You've done previous research on atheism, um, and one of the blog posts you uh, wrote mentioned that this isn't a, a trend unique to Adventism, that the U.S. is growing ever more secular. Uh, people are leaving, especially Christianity, in more and more numbers, uh, in kind of staggering numbers, uh, especially from the Pew Research Center. Um, in what ways have you seen that Adventism is different from other Christian denominations that are experiencing the same thing? Or indeed the
4: same.
2: Yeah. I, I don't think I have an intelligent answer to that. Um, sorry.
4: I, I think I'm the one who wrote that yeah. blog post about the, the numbers and all that. Uh, and I can't say either about Adventism in particular. I've been looking for some numbers. I just haven't maybe dug deep enough to find. Um, and one of my sources for that is actually Jeff. So <laughs> I've I've been asking him, you know, can you give me some sort of sense of how many adventists have been leaving and and so he's been telling me um uh, and I and I, I just haven't searched far and wide yet. So I'll let Jeff take that.
1: Mine's really just a a kind of approximation. I read somewhere there's over 21 million adventists Adventists in the world, between twenty-one and twenty-two million, um, but were they're a big movement. Um, and then I read an article, and I'm sorry, I can't recall exactly which publication it was, but basically, it was an internal uh, Seventh Adventist publication. Somebody complaining that for every hundred baptisms, new baptisms, there were something like forty people then then leaving the church, and so that that's really the. The, the total actual data that I have on, uh, on on that question.
2: Yeah. Jeremy, one of the things that, and I think we mentioned this in, or uh, I did it, or Dwayne did it, mentioned in the blog post, is that COVID has been a big uh, uh, influence in terms of the rise of non-believers. Um, remember, we had that long discussion about w- the community and church And so on, Mm, Uh, and and with COVID, with with uh, that time period where we were all in the U.S. at least on lockdown that spring of 2020, uh, though that extended number of months when we weren't uh, supposed to travel, and churches just didn't meet um, for COVID kind of reasons. Once people uh, got a taste of, yeah, I can live without this weekly kind of uh, meeting um i don't go back and so if you look at virtually any church in the US and look at the number of people in pews before covid and after covid every church is dealing with that um almost universally and so i think once you know uh, once covid happened that was uh you know a boost to this national trend of more and more nonbelievers uh, coming uh, in any religion, all religions.
4: You
1: know the COVID effect is an interesting one, and I've I've thought a little bit about it uh, and the way it relates to my own experience. I mean, I, I left the movement a, a long time ago. Uh, COVID wasn't a factor for me, but uh, just kind of putting together the reasons that people chose, that respondents chose for why they became ex Adventist, and then the things that they miss. Um they, they left because of the beliefs, the things they miss uh, have to do with the community. Um and my own experience was that once I went through a period of time where I was separated from the community, it wasn't particularly by choice. I, I moved to another part of the country, but once I once I left that community, um then it, it didn't take long for for the beliefs to, to start to well, it didn't take long for me to s- start to have some then pretty direct and, and you know, uh, internal conversations about the beliefs. Uh, and that's when it really kind of fell apart for
4: me. Interesting.
3: Well, it, it's interesting, too, uh, based on this, some of the things we talked about earlier, it seems like uh, the community aspect, the food aspect, which people seem to hang on to even when they leave it's it's they're all very interrelated. I mean, food is tend we tend to do together and seems to always kind of has a communal aspect to it. And uh, I wonder if there's sort of a a nostalgia for the community in in the in the kind of the way people hold on to food choices and things like that. Um, that that also really speaks to the uh, isolation.
1: I think so. Uh, I think there's definitely something to that. You know, uh, there is a question where we ask, um, even though you're no longer a Seventh-day Adventist, are there cultural practices that you still follow? And food is by quite a wide margin uh the most commonly selected item mm-hmm. in there. No one no one maintains the ordinance of humility uh, after they become ex-adventist, but they all eat haystacks <laughs> or fried chick or, or, or whatever whatever it might be. So yeah, that all that all really rings true.
2: Right.
3: What about the Sabbath? Uh, I think one of them was keeping the Sabbath in, in in whatever way you interpret that to be, I think, was some, some kind of similar phrasing. To that. Yes,
1: that's another common one. Um, I'm trying to remember which question it was and scroll up to it as we're talking here. But yeah, keeping the Sabbath in some way um, was definitely one that uh, a, a lot of people selected. And a number of people have communicated to me directly Um uh, on the social media uh, through social media that Sabbath is one thing they, they continue to do. I personally, and in my house, uh, you know, with my family, we still Saturday is a, a real day of rest for us. Um, very loathe to schedule appointments or uh, do work things that, that, that happen on Saturday, Sunday's fair game, but Saturday, man, uh, we're, we're lying low and doing our own thing. <laughs>
3: Well, we're slowly running out of time here, and I really appreciate uh, all of you for uh, taking some of the time out of your day to to chat with uh, us about this. Um, just as a final kind of thought, uh, my own question my own version of question fifty two about what would you say to someone uh, who's considering leaving i I want to ask you, um, what would you say to people who are listening who feel they can relate somewhat or in some way? Uh, what, what have, what have you learned that you would like to share with people who, who, uh, kind of feel that familiarity?
1: I will say three things. First of all, take the survey. Um, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) take it. Share it widely. Yeah. Share it widely. Make your voice heard. You'll feel better. Trust me. Almost everyone does. Um, you know, the second thing is that if, if, if you really are in this space and you're thinking about, you're thinking about leaving, talk to someone who's left, um, uh, it it's not as difficult or as insurmountable as it might feel in the moment um certainly there are, there are things that have to be handled carefully but you know there there are, there are more of us out there than i thought and the experience, while there's some diversity of experience there's a lot of Uh, a lot of overlap and a lot of people will understand what you're going through. Reach out, find those people. You can find us online. Um, There's the ex Adventist Reddit. There's a couple of Instagram feeds related to former and recovering Seventh-day Adventists. Reach out. um, You'll find lots of support. And then maybe the last thing, and this is what the survey results bear out very directly. Um, Yeah, there are some downsides, but the upsides outweigh the downsides. There's more good than bad.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: That's what I got. I'll let Tom and and Duane speak.
2: No, no, that that, uh, that, that summarizes it yes. well. I think. Yeah, I do too.
3: Well, uh, thank you so much for your time. How long is the survey going to be up? You are you extending the time a little bit.
2: We originally said June one, um, and uh, like uh, you know, like we said, um, it is cathartic for people to take it, and so there's no, you know there's no timeline on this. There's no urgency to you know, close the survey. So I'm gonna leave that kind of be an open question uh, in part because uh, we are now in the active process of having the a survey translated into Portuguese, Brazilian Portuguese. Uh, we are going to have a, a, a version of the survey uh, live for uh, people in Brazil. Uh, fairly soon and so they will just be getting it now um you know in the next week or so uh, and so we'll want to leave it open uh we'll want to leave both versions open the Portuguese and the English version open you know for a good amount of time to get people a chance to find it and and take the survey so that's uh you know it's an open question at this point
3: well thank you so much for your time today I really appreciate uh, um the uh, talking with you and uh, hearing a little bit more about uh, your preliminary results. And I think I speak for a lot of people when I say um, really looking forward to uh, the final results when you can kind of summarize everything for us and uh, hopefully there's uh, plenty of insights that uh, we can uh, uh, gain from it. Well,
4: well thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you, I, Jeremy. Thank
3: you. Great seeing you. Yes, I knew Sister
0: White. We will not be
1: the kingdom is alive. The kingdom's on the move with the poor and the meek and the hungry and the lonely. Oh, I'll
2: never forget it.